You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. There's some uh, incredible city-impacting ventures that kind of come out of local churches even now through history. And I'm going to invite Simon Ashley up to share. He's really passionate about this area. Come on, mate. About to go on holidays. Yeah, I am. Well deserved. Yeah, looking forward to it. Are we on? That's not on. Are we on? Is there a reason? Give us a look. It's on. No? Never mind. Get the other one. That's okay. Oh, there there you go. Awesome. This is working. What are you talking about? It's me, obviously. So, yeah, so... Um, Never mind. You'll take it down with you. Yeah, go for it, man. So, yeah, so... So, here's the deal. Ask, I want to ask you a question. Oh, yeah, go right ahead. Yeah. I was going to go through. for it. I know you are. You're excited. You're ready. Yeah, man. Okay. So, you actually, before you started your surgeries, those clinics, you went around visiting other places around the world. But you particularly saw where, what local churches were doing. To impact their cities. Give us an example. Tell us about some of these amazing places. So I, um, I got away from Mel just before we got married and went around the world, which was awesome. Um, which one? Getting away from Mel or going around the world? Both. <laughs> I just want to clarify, you didn't yeah. say the first one. Yeah, no. Right. No, I wasn't getting away from Mel. Right. Um, but I had an amazing um, privilege to go to the Dream Center, and I spent about three and a half weeks um, just living there, being a part of what they do, and just seeing... That's in Los Angeles. That's right, in Los Angeles, yeah. in America. So Matthew Barnett is the pastor. So yeah. he, he basically went from his father's church and he felt called to LA. And he just went there, just himself and his wife, and just God gave him a vision for the, for the people there. And was, it, was he the one that stepped over the body? Yes. Oh, tell that story. Oh, I don't know that story very well. I know a little bit of it. Yeah, you can tell it. He had already taken this church, and it was kind of like an inner city church, wasn't it? It was, Jamie, yes. you, you guys take students there a lot, don't you? So correct me if I get this story wrong. But he had taken this church down in the city center, and I think one day there was a... I don't think the guy was dead, was he? Or he, there was somebody with addiction and poor and really in a down-and-out situation laying on the steps of the church, and he stepped over his body to go in to go to work. And for him, that was the change point. Is that right, Jamie? Something like that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that really impacted him. And so, so he wanted to see what they could do to actually influence their whole region. Right. And, and so probably it was about 10 years on when I went out there and spent the month and it was just a life-changing time for me. So what's some of the things they do? So basically, well, I, I did it pretty much all the ministries they had. So they have a doctor block where you would, would go to an area um, and you would actually just go and knock on doors and love on the community. Um, and that was one of the really impactful moments for me was I went to Crenshaw and I don't know if you remember back 15 years ago, yeah. they had the massive riots yeah. in Crenshaw. And so when I got Crenshaw, I'm like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And so they, they released me. I was there for probably two hours by myself for a little while. They had right. such confidence in what God is doing. Um, but what really got me, so I started knocking on doors and just doing that around the community. And mm. I remember I went to this one house, and I've not, I started to knock on the door, and I could just hear this swearing and cursing and just going on because someone was obviously at the door. Um, and they trained you to say, just say that you're from the Dream Center and you're just coming to say hello. And so that's what I did. And as soon as 
they heard that I was from the Dream Center, there was a, a cursing word saying, oh no. And then they came at, oh, we're really sorry, come on in. And there was such an influence that the Dream Center right. had in those communities <clears throat> right. that when you just said, I'm from the Dream Center, it changed everything. And it actually, that opened the door and I got to sit in there and we chatted to them and basically they want you to find out what was going on in their lives and if you could help in any way. And they would often, you know, bring fridges and th things out to those people and just support them and help them out. Yeah. Um, and so the influence that the church had just in that one family, but there was multiple that we saw right. in Crenshaw, was just incredible. Right. But then oh, we went out to Prostitute Lane, into the Transvestite area, into Skid Row. Basically all the down and out areas is, right. is really what he felt called to. And so... I had the opportunity to, to go into all of those different areas. But the, probably the biggest thing that really impacted me was when I went to Matthew's office one day yeah. and I was just waiting for him to have a quick meeting with him and there was this big newspaper article that was at his office mm -hmm. and it actually was the LA Times, which is the biggest paper in LA, um, and it had the headlines, Dream Centre Changing LA. And I'm wow. reading this um, as, a, a, as the, um, the reporter basically reported on the front page that since the Dream Center had moved in, which was about 10 years, crime had gone down 85%. Wow. They had these amazing impacts on all these different areas. And then they told the story about a gang shooting that had happened. And basically the story goes that this guy had been shot and killed. And the police were really concerned about a Crenshaw-type situation happening again. And they didn't know what to do. So the mayor and the police commissioner rang Matthew Barnett... <laughs> all reported, mind you, on the front page of the paper, and they said, we are super concerned. Can you go to this house? Can you pray with this family? And can you hold a 24-hour prayer meeting? Wow. Open air in the community. And this is all in the paper. And Amazing. I'm like, wow. Amazing. And so they're reporting just how influential this church was in changing the culture, and they were just celebrating that yeah. in the front of the newspaper. I mean, it's easy to stand here and go, well, that's America. That doesn't happen here. But what you don't realise, if you've never lived there, Australia is more like uh, LA and LA like Australia than it is the Bible Belt of America. That is not the Bible Belt of America. So for them to do that is huge. It means they're making a huge impact. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so amazing. the other thing too is there, you know of cases here in Australia where churches have initiated things that are city impacting. Tell us about a couple of those because one's recent, one's been going for a while. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so one of them is Red Frogs. I don't know if many people know about Red Frogs, yeah. but we've actually got a guy in our city, um, David Connett, his name is. Uh, he was a part of the founding team of Red Frogs. And so I've I had a great chance to have a chat to him. It's amazing to hear. So basically it was a whole bunch of guys. They were in Gold Coast and all these kids were flooding up there and all the problems that were happening as at schoolies. We, at schoolies yeah. Yeah, that we all hear about. And they said, well, we've got to do something. We've actually got to respond to this. What can we do? And they really had no idea. They just said, well, we've got to do something. So they just got out and they went on the streets and they just started trying to do whatever they could. Um, and... Over, over a period of a couple of weeks, they really just were fumbling around. And then one guy brought some red frogs along and he just started handing out to a few of the guys who were drunk just to, um, just to help them out. And that began something because people started calling them the red frog guys. And that gave them that little in when they went to a party and there was all these people all drunk, they were the red frog guys. And that gave them that opportunity to get in there and then they are able to help these people, care right. for them. Right. And since then, it has actually exploded. It's all around right. the world now. They've got multiple people do it. And even at universities now, they have a Red Frog Brigade, that, that O-Week <laughs> and all things like that, where they just go in and they just there and care and it's love amazing. on these guys. But the story's coming back. And often it isn't at the time, they say. It's usually, you know, months, possibly years later, they get these stories coming back from people saying... 
Those moments where you cared for me and loved me despite what I was going through meant so much. And now I'm in church because of what wow. you did. And they didn't even preach. They just wow. knew that they were Christians. Wow. Um, so multiple stories coming right. back like that. Which and that is was phenomenal. initiated out of church. It was out of a church, absolutely. A and whole then bunch of youth it's guys. a more recent one because I know Karina is really absolutely. passionate about this here. When you first hear it, you go, yeah, no, nah, that's not going to happen until Jesus comes again. And that's a lack of faith, isn't it? A lot of it is. Because he, he wants to redeem cities. That's right. He wants to redeem all and areas it, of it, our it is so big and so it possesses people so strongly, it seems impossible to break this side of heaven. Mm. Yet people are starting to get faith for this. They call it now a porn free city. Porn free city, that's right. Yeah. Right. Where is that? That's in Toowoomba. Right. Um, it was started by um, the Toowoomba churches. So it hasn't happened, but they're believing for it. Well, it, well, it has happened in the fact that they've launched that throughout their whole city and they've actually right. had the mayor and a lot of the people who are in leadership there actually declare that and remove certain um, porn out of places they can. Um, but what they're doing is they're just having that move, movement up there where they're actually really trying to address this problem, which is such a feeder for domestic violence, such a feeder inside right. community for so many problems. Right. Um, and really, it is an addiction that we really uh, need to yeah. be addressing. Yeah. Um, and so they've done this and they just thought, again, we'll give this a go, we'll We'll do a few things and see what happens. Yeah. And just recently, um, the person who runs that actually had a phone call from this person in France. And anyway, she didn't think much of it. And oh, yeah, well, whatever. And then it called again. And then finally, for some reason, she was able to pick it up. And it was actually the president of France. Right. Giving her a call, saying, we've heard what you're doing. It is amazing. It is one of the biggest problems in France. We just want to know what you're doing. Wow. And just this little church in Toowoomba who decided to do something, or right. churches tried to do something, right. all of a sudden has the French president ringing them up saying, hey, what are you doing? We love it. How good is that? That's amazing. Yeah. That's good. So. Yeah, these things are happening. Here, mate, take this down with you. Simon. Catch. Oh. So there you go. I'm going to get you back in a few minutes, Simon, because I want to hear personally about some of your passion and stuff. But, you know, I think we need to adjust some things in our thinking to get to this point when we talk influence. And when it comes to the practice and thinking, because what we think, we begin to do. So what we think and what we do, I think around being influential, I want to adjust. There's this challenge of some paradigms and practices that are around. And I think it actually hinders us in the sense of being influential, both individually and as a church. And the the first paradigm I want to challenge is based on a teaching that went through the churches in the 90s. We had it. We had somebody come here, preach on it, loose his CDs. I've subsequently tossed them in the bin. Um, Now, he was a good guy. Don't get me wrong. Great preacher, good guy. But there was something about it, and it started something that I felt, yeah, this isn't quite, it doesn't sit well. And it was a teaching on your calling as either a king or a priest either or. And I went, something doesn't sit right. And this teaching told people that you either had a kingly calling, which is primarily or even exclusively in the marketplace, or you had a priestly calling, and that was primarily or exclusively in the church. And it's true that some people have a primary calling to be influential in the marketplace, while others have a primary calling to be influential in the church setting. And we want to affirm that. We don't want to do away with that and say, no, that's all rubbish and don't pay any attention. No, there are callings into those places. No doubt about it. Um, You know, there are some of you who have a calling to be an influence for the kingdom of God out there in the city. And that's a powerful thing. And we want to affirm that over and over again. And and then there are those of us who are called primarily here in in the church to strengthen the church, to be healthy and strong. However, any teaching that draws a line 
line in the sand and says, kings, priests, that causes confusion and segregation. It's not healthy. And so we just kind of want to adjust that a little bit today. Because in the New Testament, think about it. There's only two places in the Old Testament where there was a combined king-priest. Anybody know who the first one is? Quiet, Andrew. Bible college lecture. Anybody know the first one? Come on, test time. What? Melchizedek. Good on you, Jim. You got that one. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, priest of the most high God. Who was the second one? He wasn't officially a priest, but he did it. Who? David. He went and made sacrifices. God didn't strike him down. But the ultimate king and priest is Jesus Christ. We are Christians made in his likeness. There is no either king or priest. In the New Testament, it is you are a king and a priest. Oh, gosh. We've got to break some stuff down. Here we go. All right, you don't believe me. Let's go to Revelation chapter 1. I know God speaks better than I do. He's got a smoother accent. Anyway, Revelation chapter 1. Verse 5 down to verse 6. To him, Jesus, who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. All of this is made possible because of the power of the cross. That's where it happened. And has made us kings and priests. Not kings or. Kings and priests. Some versions say a kingdom of priests. Depending on which translation you use. Kings and priests to his God, Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There is no either or there. I could actually take you back to Deuteronomy and show you that that was his plan with his people all the way along. That he said to the Israelites, you are meant to be a kingdom of priests. Now, anyway, let's do an old-fashioned thing. Lights are on. Let's use the Bible, the paper-bound revelation. I know it's unique. And it's not that I'm old, it's just that I like a book in my hands. And I know, some of you have got to use the electronic, that's all right, light it up. Go ahead, light it up. Revelation chapter 5. I just kind of show you, the New Testament does not draw this line in the sand. It does not make a division between you are either only called in the marketplace or only in the church or even exclusively or only just do it there. Okay, Revelation chapter 5. Who's, who, I just want to see something. Who still kind of carries one of these? Hold it up. I don't see too many young people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Not so young, thank you. All right, show me the electronic ones. Flash your lights at me. Go ahead, people, flash it. Yeah, I knew you were going to go there. A friend of mine was doing a children's talk, typical Baptist church, doing a children's talk. His name's Frank, in his church in Adelaide. Yeah, I can say it. It's okay. Um, I'm going over here. I'm going to say it. Um, and he was doing children's talk, and he thought, you know how kids get rowdy? They're in the Baptist church, they used to bring them all down the front, you know, in the 80s, and then sit and look up at you, and they'd start getting rowdy after a couple of seconds. So he thought, I'm going to keep their attention. I'm going to wear a bow tie that's got a light in it, and a little wire runs down to my hand. Every time the kids get rowdy, press the button, and the, and the bow tie will flash. And they look up at him. So he finishes his children's talk, gets to the end, and shh, quiet kids, we're going to pray, we're going to talk to God right now. And as the whole church went silent, some little boy in the front yells out, flash it again, Frank. So I'm not telling you to do that. That's not dirty. What's the matter with you? Anyway, these guys need healing. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. They're around the throne of God. Dave, uh, David. John gets this picture. He said, I saw them. They sang a new song saying, 
You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. There's the cross again. Out of every... Now, here you go. This is not an exclusive people. Out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. The whole world. And you have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Got it? We shall reign on the earth. We are not kings or priests. We are, king, we are a kingdom of priests. Now, just one more to kind of get you there. 1 Peter. Peter gets this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you'll be familiar with this verse. He says, For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you show his goodness to others. You are a royal. You are a people of dominion and kingly authority who bring the presence of God as a priest. Period. So wherever we are at, we bring both the presence of God and the authority of the kingdom. You don't have to go, wait, wait, wait. You need prayer? Let me call my pastor. I'll put him on FaceTime. No. Doesn't work. You do it. No, but I've got a kingly calling. Great. Take authority. But but, but I'm not sure the words to say. You're a priest. Yes, you do. You know how to do that. You know how to bring the presence of God. This is possible with all of us, whether we be at work, at home, at play, at church. Whatever we do, we can bring peace into any given situation. We can release the power of God for healing, for salvation, for deliverance. We can bring justice where there is injustice. We can do that. We are kings and priests. Got it? Just wait a minute. I've got to go call a priest. No. You're a priest. Call yourself. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of uh, William Wilberforce. Anybody ever read that story? There's a few, not many. That's good. You should do so. Um, he was an English politician known as a leader. I'm going to read it, bits and pieces of it, of the movement to stop the slave trade. So if you think stopping porn is difficult, imagine back in the late 1700s, early 1800s, stopping slave trading. We're not talking about just a few uh, farms in America, or as we call them in the South, plantations, using black people to do our labor. We're talking about a global uh, epidemic, a catastrophe across the globe, where they use the Africans as animals. And this guy got moved by that. Now, you say, well, what's so significant about that? You're talking about global economies being affected. The dollar rules a lot of stuff. So here he is now, an English politician. In 1785, as a 26-year-old, he got born again. And this is when God did something in his heart and resulted in major changes with his concern for social reform. So here's the deal. He headed the parliamentary campaign against the British slave trade for 20 years until the passage of the Slave Trade Act of 1807. Now, can you imagine the heat he would have taken? The threats he would have received? How many people would have hated him? How he would have been so unpopular among the elite of Great Britain because they're the ones doing this? As they send the Africans to the Caribbean, to to the Americas, to wherever, and across the empire? Let me read. In later years. So in other words, he didn't give up. In later years, Wilberforce supported the campaign for the complete abolition of slavery. Not just part of it. 
Not just some of the pornography gone, all of it. And continued his involvement after 1826 when he resigned from Parliament because of his failing health. He was still active. Listen to this. The campaign led to the Slavery Abolition Act of 1833, which abolished slavery in most of the British Empire. William Wilberforce died just three days after hearing that the passage of the Act through Parliament was assured. His life from 26 years of age through death, man, he was after this thing. I think he was influential. I think he was both a king and a priest. I think he was bringing healing and also freedom. Because this segregation of king and priest anointing reinforces bad thinking and practice. Really bad. Like this. It, it kind of builds walls between secular and sacred. We, you know, we go, hey, look, we're not this hierarchy of church. And we don't have bishops and formal priests. And we don't have this division. Listen, this creates a division. This causes a division both in thinking and in action like this. Well, you kings go out and make the money so that we priests can do the real work of God. That is bad. Now, we're all for you being used for the kingdom of God to do everything you can to plunder the Egyptians, but that doesn't mean that your primary calling is to make coins so I can work. The real work of the kingdom. Or, hey, I can't bring the tangible presence of God because that happens at church, so I better FaceTime my pastor and get him in here. I, I think you guys could set people free from demons right there in your office. Can't you, Simon? <laughs> it can be testy, but it'd be fun. You just can't find this division in the New Testament because all of us are empowered by the Spirit of God. We're meant to be influential for the kingdom wherever we're at and with whomever we have opportunity. And it can be awkward places. It's not the comfortable confines of a church service. And I know there are people who see their work as an opportunity to be influential for the kingdom of God. They see it as their calling, and that's a good thing. Because if you're only doing it for the dollar, I have to challenge you that that's a worldly mindset. It's all about the dollar. It's all about the comfort. It's all about, no, it's about what's he asked you to do for him and where. I know there are people like Scott Fairweather. Now, he's piking today and probably skiing. I don't, is he, Karina, is he down skiing? I thought I, I was going to say Scott and Graham ought to leave them out, but I'm going to tell them anyway. So you can tell them I told on them today. Anyway, they're allowed to go skiing. They deserve it. Um, I, I went to get my car serviced at Lexus one day. And he goes, look, you're up for new tires. Do you want me to organize that? And I went, no, I'll get my friend Scott Fairweather to do it. He owns a tire business. And the guy went, I know Scott. And then all of a sudden he went on about Scott's integrity and Scott's Christianity. How good is that? Now, Scott doesn't come in here and trumpet that he's out there preaching to the Lexus manager. And then you got Graham Prosser. Haley, you just tell him. I used him as an example. You do that. All right? You got Graham Prosser through work connections and sailing, which is his love and his hobby. He, he, he'd constantly bring in guys to Connect Group who needed Jesus, talking to him about Jesus. Just part of the deal. And then you got Fiona Edwards, who's also piking today. What is that? Every illustration I'm using. You're here. Right. I got, I got Fiona's permission to do this. Um, in her workplace, she's so passionate about. Uh, about righting wrongs and dealing with injustice and, and bringing the presence of God into that social arena. And then you've got Simon through his medical centers. He not only just kind of works on the people, but he opens up conversations, prays over people when the opportunity arises and exercises kingdom authority there. Hang on, I've got to go call Keith. No, you don't. He does it himself. 
These are people who do that. And they're just to name a few. There are others who are not here today. Jeff Padgett and John O'Holt and people like that. They're out there doing it, you know. And Elaine Everett. My Lord, Elaine leaves the center after a connect group. I'm going walking across at the square, and she talks to this person, talks to that shopkeeper, walks up to people in the square going, you know, that, that bag suits you. You ought to get that. Opens a conversation for the kingdom. This is the king and the priest function together. Happening, all right? And I know some of you folks are doing it. That's awesome. We want to applaud you. We want to thank you. It's, there are too many of you to mention your names, uh, and I didn't mean to leave any of you out. Um, and if you've got a testimony on that, we'd love to hear it. Wouldn't we joy and put it in news and stuff and, and applaud you? But there's another area in the, in the, where I want to challenge a paradigm and a practice. I call it the inside or the outside. Okay? It's an area where segregation could possibly occur in thinking and practice. And this is where someone believes that their calling outworks itself exclusively in the marketplace, so therefore I don't have to do anything with church. Or it's exclusively in church, so my job is to teach you, so I don't go out there and tell people outside. Imagine if I had that attitude. Hey, I'm just here to encourage you, to equip you, to challenge you to go out and witness, but I don't do it. What would you call me? Yeah, hypocrite. Right. What do you call yourself when you look in the mirror and say, I do stuff out there, but I don't care about doing stuff in here? You can't find that in the scripture. It's not an either or. It's not inside or outside. That doesn't exist in the Bible. It's kind of this thinking where the realm of possibility of influence is only in one sphere. You know, it only takes place in one. And we need to, we need to adjust this. So I want you to track a thread with me for a minute. Stay with me. I'm going to show you that in the scriptures, it is not either or. It's both and. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Scripture that we all know, but I want to do something different with it without stretching it out of context. I want to stretch it, but I want to stretch it into today's context. Got it? Don't worry. I'm not doing anything faulty with the scriptures. You know that. But see, we also know the scriptures are historical. This was written 2,000 years ago. Nearly 2,000 years ago. And it was written for a people who were pioneering a movement, right? And they needed to get moving to get this thing happening. And they needed to get moving geographically to get it beyond this little area in Galilee or Jerusalem. Okay? And Jesus said, you've got to take it everywhere. So in context, he says, something's going to happen to you. Now you need to, you need to get out there telling everybody about this. In, Jude, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. So geographically, start spreading the word. Got it? Because they need to hear it. There are no books. There are no podcasts. There are no radio stations. There are no televangelists, thank God, and no traveling people doing this. You've got to get out there and do it. Right? So that's the context. I want to bring it into today's context because we're not in that same context. Right? Number one, we're not in Jerusalem or Judea. Uh, number two, we're not pioneering a movement. We're just propagating a movement that's already begun. Got it? But we need to do it here today in the 21st century among a people who are a bit skeptical about this church thing. Right? I, I don't even tell people anymore I'm a pastor out there at the gym and whatnot when they ask me what I do. Because I don't want to be put in the boat of those clergy who've been abusing kids. Because in their eyes, I'm the same. When I say that word, pastor or minister. So what do you tell them? 
I tell them I'm a life coach. No, I don't say that. I just tell them. I, I tell them honestly, I lead churches in the city. Oh, okay. But I just don't use the word priest, pastor, minister anymore because they step back and go, oh, keep your kids away, which is a sad day, an incredibly sad day. I live in a context where society as a whole is almost anti-Christian. So do you. This is no longer a Christian nation. This is no longer even a pro-Christian nation. And, and, it, it, and I think that's a good thing. Light shines best in the darkness. If it's kind of half dark, um, they don't need light. So here's what happens. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Pause. Put the button on pause for a second. This is a noun, not a verb. He didn't say, and you will go out witnessing. He didn't say, you will get the gift of witnessing. This is not so much about what we do as it is about what we become and who we are. Because what we do has to come out of that. I witness because I, I have become a witness of the goodness of God. And by the way, the word witness there is the same word for martyr. Exact same word. This could be translated, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my martyrs. I'm going to get killed. Martyr means more than getting killed. It means somebody whose life is, is so far out that they're, they're willing to give their life for this truth. So you're going, to, you're going to be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, into the earth. Now, I'm going to stretch it. Here we go. Let's bring it into today. Out of, out of first century into 21st century. Here it comes. Jerusalem. Let's not think geographic. Let's think this. Your immediate sphere of influence. You are going to stand for Christ and testify about Jesus and tell people about Jesus as a kingly priest in your most immediate sphere of influence, your home, your workplace, your neighborhood, the place where you are most commonly at and have most contact. That is your Jerusalem. For some of us, it started right in our home when we first, I became the Christian first in my house. I like I got shot the night I came in, burst into my mother and stepfather's bedroom. Guess what happened? Threw the lights on. He just about pulled his pistol out from under the pillow and shot me because I startled him. And they weren't that happy. I think you'd be happy when a teenager becomes a Christian. They weren't that happy at that point. But that was my immediate sphere of influence. Told them the very day it happened, that night, when I burst into their bedroom. Your Jerusalem is your immediate sphere of influence. Your Judea is the next closest area beyond your immediate sphere of influence. It's your church, your sport, your hobby, your visit to the malls or the shops or whatever. Some of you guys don't like going to malls, but you certainly like going to the boat shops or the motorcycle shops or the car shops or whatever. It's amazing if you realize that you have a kingly priest calling on your life. It's amazing how the Father will open up opportunities to talk. If you're just willing and you're ready. And that is your Judea. You can't just go, no, it's my family, us four and no more. And I'm not doing anything outside that. Or it's where I work, my little cubby, my little space, nothing else. Broaden your perspective. That's your, you, you, you know, interesting. The first church didn't go outside of Jerusalem for a long time. Persecution comes and scatters them. 
I just wonder if God allowed that to happen to get them out of their comfortable space. Anyway, here we go. Samaria. This is your reach of influence beyond the borders that are comfortable to you. Samaria to a Jew was despised, uncomfortable, dirty, like Simon saying, I am not used to going into places in the city where there are prostitutes and transvestites and the poor sleeping on the streets. It's, it's kind of, I don't know what's going to happen. They're not my people. I don't live among that. I don't want my kids among that. And we build up this mentality going, they're dirty. Let somebody else reach them. Listen, we're still to go to Samaria, the place that's uncomfortable. All of us. It's not a special calling. It's an obedient step. He didn't say, now, there's about 120 of you listening to this. Maybe not on that day. Maybe it was only 11. Maybe the 12th when they let come along. So let's go to 12. Let's divide you into four. Three each part. Three of you Jerusalem. Three of you Judea. Three. He didn't do that. Every one of you need to be aware of your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And you need to go where it's uncomfortable to different demographic groups, ethnic groups, places where you normally wouldn't live or take your children on a nice leisurely stroll on Sunday afternoon. Mm. That makes it go quiet, doesn't it? So when's the last time you even thought about that? That you'd be willing? We, we, we honored long-term staff who were beyond the 10 years on Wednesday and we had anecdotal funny stories. Pastor Karen tells the one about Janet. A few years ago, we were around the Charlestown area at Christmas, Christmas going around giving a box of chocolates out to the retailers just to say, Merry Christmas, I uh, hope you have a great time. You know, trying to introduce ourselves because we're now in the Charlestown area. So they come along the highway, Pacific Highway, and I forget the shops, but the next shop, and they were rotating one after the other. The next shop to come was naughty and nice. So Karen just nicely bypassed and let Janet go in. Is that the way it goes? So Karen, Karen comes out of the next shop after giving the chocolates, and she keeps moving. There's no Janet. She goes, next shop, there's no Janet. What's happened to Janet? What is she buying in the... Anyway. Anyway, so Karen goes back to Naughty and Nice to see if Janet's okay. And there's Janet talking to the owner about Christ. A, a man who believes he is a God person because he is an Orthodox Greek believer, and yet he believes this is his business. Now imagine Janet could have preached at him and judged him and told him how horrible and condemned he was or how dirty he was or everything we don't want to touch or go near the shop. And there's Janet happily with all this paraphernalia around her talking to him about Jesus. When's the last time you've done something like that? I have to confess, I have never gone into naughty and nice. <laughs> Only my wife has. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then there's the ends of the earth. You know what that means? Whoever you come in contact with, wherever opportunities arise. That's what it means. So you're at the gate on your international flight. You're flustered. And you see that the travel, the, uh, what do they call it? The flight attendant is really, really bothered. And you go, no, I've got to get on that plane. I need to get my seat. If you're like me, beeline straight for the seat. But the Holy Spirit is nudging. Ask her. Ask her. She's from a different people. She barely speaks English. Ask her. Uttermost parts of the earth. Being willing, whenever, 
wherever and with whomever the opportunity arises. Kingdom. Priests. So let me, let me tie the thread together. I, gosh, I'm out of time. Let me tie the thread together. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to show you it's not either or. Acts 1.8 talks about out there. Just get out there. You're Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Paul also brings it, what about in here? Chapter 4, verse 11. Now, these, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work. Notice that's not in a locality. That's wherever. To do His work, but here's a locality, and to build up the church. This is no longer inside or outside. It is both and. To do His work, to build the church. Both and... And then he says, this will continue until. Can I nicely say, until hasn't happened yet? Can, can that dawn on you just for a minute? We're not in the moment where until is over with. Until we all come to such unity in our faith and the knowledge of the Son of God that we will be mature. I don't know about you, but I'm not there yet. I still need you. I need what you bring to this body. It's not just me feeding you every week. It's what you give to build this body also. The body builds itself up in love as each part does its work, Paul says. I'm going to invite Simon up again. Simon, we've got to be quick. Let's go, man. I, I want to ask you, in thinking about this second area we're talking about, the practice of excluding ourselves to inside or outside, I know that both you and Mel, like at the kids' school, which is a state school, um, and at surgery, and then both in the church, you've you got a young family, you've got growing business. Uh, how, why do you do this? Not how do you do it. Why do you do this? It'd be easy to have an either or. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's, for me, um, I had a revelation about this because, um, you know, we often focus on, on where, but not who. Um, and God really showed me that it's, it's, it's who you are in every aspect, as you've been talking about, whether right. you're at the church, whether you're at right. school, whether you're at work, wherever you are, you are Christ to the people around you. Right. And you are there to, to be a light. And, and I suppose it really came very clear to me when I was walking down the street at Warners Bay and I was praying about my business because I was about to start it. And I'm like, God, should I call it a Christian organisation? Should I just call it something else? And he very clearly said to me, if you shine a light in someone's face, they'll turn away. But if you are a light, they'll be attracted to you like a moth wow. to a flame. And for me, what God was saying was that I want you to be something. And out of that place, opportunity will come. Right. Out of that place, I will use you. And that doesn't apply just for my business, but for our life. And, um, and to be able to do that in every atmosphere, and particularly in the church. And there's this other fundamental um, belief that I have is if I'm out there doing the work that I do in my business, which I believe is a ministry, yeah. And I'm not connected to the church. I'm out there doing my own thing. Right. This is the place where I'm, I'm founded, I'm established. And to be here is the place that I'm launched from rather than the other way But it's not just you guys coming to get. You don't just come in here to get, to receive. Absolutely not, no. Yeah. I mean, God's given me gifts to, to serve and to, to love wherever I am. And so wherever yeah. I can do that, that's what I 
I believe that God has called us as a family to do that. And I want my kids to see that. I want my kids loving the church because I want them to love the church. Yeah. And to serve in the church as well as serving the world. Yeah. So, you know, the names I mentioned earlier, you, you drive in when we used to have a car park out there on a Sunday. They do it elsewhere now. You, you got guys like Graham and Scotty waving in traffic and stuff like that. They were here like when we were at the other place. They were there like six o'clock in the morning, whatever the time was, helping never complaining, helping set up all that heavy sound equipment week after week, stuff like that. Why do you guys do stuff like that? Because God wants us to be a family. And this, right. is, this is my family. I mean, I don't right. have family. Right. Um, so my church family is my family. And so you right. serve in your family and you care for one another and support one another and we're a team together. Yeah. And as we do our part, that empowers other people to do their part. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's like what Paul said building up the body absolutely yeah. we're, we're all one body and we all play our part in out wherever that looks like it's like you know when paul was talking about being a minister he said you know you, you shouldn't be a minister if you can't manage your own house well i kind of think that that principle lies across everything well, what are you doing out there reaching the world when you don't even connect well with your church family you know and it's that kind of thing isn't it absolutely because yeah. the, the, you start at home I mean, I, right. you start at home with your relationships with, and that's the place where you foster I think foster you've made a very, things. very good point and a key here. Church is family. Absolutely. This is not a shopping place. It's not a fill-up station. That's right. It's a family. It's, it's a family. And, and it's where you grow and it's where you, those gifts that I've learned here, I can then take out. And I know, I know most of our families, yours, ours, we pitch in together to make family work. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we put a kitchen in 20-something years ago, guy said, you want to put a dishwasher in? I said, why? I got two. Called kids. And, and I was joking about that, but really, it's like, no, come on. It's not just a matter of, it's not slave child labor. It's the issue of, we do things together. Absolutely. Not just your mother doing everything or me doing everything. Yeah. So it's the same here. Absolutely. Right? Totally agree. Yeah. All right. Good. So, Thanks, thank mate. You, you know, there... Um, Here's the deal. It's not just people out there doing stuff. There are people in here also. Jez with her, her, um, you know, her connections with her neighbors and her work at school. You got Darren. Now you want to talk about a Samaria. You got Darren working down there in Windale at, at Baptist Care. He is connecting every week with the people who are, he's not like them, but yet he's got a compassion for them. And then you got Earl and Simeon, of all things. I remember a couple of years ago at Father's Day, you guys invited your barber and he did haircuts in the foyer. Remember that? And this guy has got a lifestyle that's so non-Christian. And yet these guys are just out there witnessing to him and, and sharing with him. And you got Karen down in the state schools weekly teaching scripture to kids, you know, trying to get the word of God in there before it disappears. And there's Janet at Naughty and Nice and every other place it comes. Don't ask her to buy anything for you. And I've had opportunities. You know, there was a time years ago, I used to, uh, don't get demon phobic on me, but I used to teach a karate, I had my own karate class, and I literally led more people to Christ during that, um, I think it's eight to 10 years in our church's life, where, where I used to do outreach through, a, I had my own martial arts studio and class. I led more people to Christ than the rest of the church ministries in, uh, combined. Just through, you know, well, I had captive audience. Repent or get beaten up kind of thing. Um, no, but serious, at the gym, I have literally prayed for people at the gym. They, they come up and said, I, I've, I've heard you're a minister. Is that right? I went, oh, yeah, why? I mean, I'm sweating like a grease pig at a Hawaiian luau after I've done this, this cycle thing, you know. I heard you're a minister. Is that right? And I went, yeah, why? 
I'm going in for surgery and I'm scared to death. Do you think you could pray for me? I said, one condition. What? Let me do it right here, right now. So I don't forget. Okay. Can I put my hand on your shoulder? Yeah. In the gym. In the gym. Places like that. You know, it's time for us to rise up and be influential. We've been called and empowered for this as a king and a priest. We need to shake off the mentality that limits us. And we need to be inclusive in serving inside and outside, reaching the community and building the house of God. So as we close today, I want you to stand your feet. I want to speak these scriptures over you and declare them over you prophetically. You know, God actually declares over you in this. There's not an if This is an emphatic in God's word. It's not an if, it's not conditional where he says, and he, Christ, has made us, you, to be a king and a priest. It doesn't say if you, it just says he, by his work on the cross, made you. You have been made to be a king and a priest. I declare over you right now the prophetic word of God that he made you to be a king and a priest. God declares over you that he has chosen you. The father says, I have chosen you. You are of royal blood. You have dominion in every place you put your foot. You bring my holy presence wherever you go because you have been chosen. You are, it's not you will be, you could be, you should be, but you are empowered by my spirit and you are my witnesses and you do tell people everywhere you go and you are being equipped both for his kingdom work out there and his house building in here. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, we say we are a people, God, who will build both inside and outside, who will be influential wherever we are, bringing your dominion and your reign over the kingdom of darkness and God saying that your kingdom reigns forevermore. And God, we will bring your presence with healing, with justice, with liberty, with peace, God, with your presence that settles situations and brings your kingdom in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.